Um, but I think for some of your creators like Mr. Beast that have more content, you could imagine some micro clips or scenarios that are automatically created and they're tr going through your AI and they're trying to test different combinations of creative content or scripts that they think could fire. So imagine your creators actually having potential script ideas coming yeah. down and then they are deciding what they're going to execute on. So right now they're stuck <laughs> in their heads trying to decide what to execute on. So this is stuff that so. we're already working on, believe it or not. This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your host, Ricky Ray Butler. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Creative Disruption. I'm Ricky Ray Butler, and I'm really excited about um, today's episode. Um, we have Ben Taylor, um, who's a really good friend of mine, and he's also one of the most influential um, data scientist creators um, out there, specifically around data science executives, where he has around 50,000 followers. Very niche but um, something that's really making a huge impact um, in the world today, especially when it comes to all this content and, and understanding how to look at all of it at, at scale. Um, ben and I have actually been friends for a really long time, and um, he's not only someone that creates great content and, and is a thought leader when it comes to data science and AI, but he's also been very successful as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur where he started a company called Zeph, which he then sold to Data Robot and is currently the chief AI evangelist. Um, did I miss anything, Ben? No, no, I don't think you missed anything. We can pull in some threads, but thanks for thanks for the opportunity. I'm really excited to. Uh, the, the funny thing about this, Ricky, before uh -huh. I jumped on, is you and I have kind of crossed each other um, with our careers, right? So I started very technical, chemical engineering, Intel Micron hedge fund. I work in marketing. Yeah. You started with a marketing background, yeah. right? Um, and now you are very much centered in AI and deep tech. So I, the truth's in the middle somewhere, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess it says something. I think, you know, I'm probably a lot more intelligent and smart than you because I'm going down the right path. I mean, going to marketing, why, why in the world would you prioritize marketing so much? Well, it, it's funny you remind me, Ricky, if I was born dumber than you, I would still be smarter than you because I'd work so, I, I would work so hard. Uh, actually, intelligence is a fun conversation because intelligence is a function of experience uh -huh. in capturing knowledge and then applying that into future decisions. So, there obviously people have some people do have genetic um, predispositions to be more intelligent. Maybe Elon Musk or someone <laughs> had something like that. But there is there's some truth to hard work and experience capture. That, that's actually why I like founders because founders are faced with unique experiences. Mm -hmm. You you can't you can't go to college to understand what to do when you get uh, an email with a lawyer where they're suing you. Sure. They, like, I, I, I they, love these, these are your scenarios. scientific response to my sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you saying you're smarter than me and I have to like try to like defend. Deconstruct it. Use uh, the of logic. I know. I, I, need, I need glasses where I could push them up and say, actually, <laughs> according to my calculations, I, yeah, anyway, it's, it, I, I love the intersection that we're in between the creative side and intuition, what works, what gets traction, but also understanding AI and and how that's te teaching us to understand ourselves. And, and th there's definitely overlap here. And I think you guys are doing a lot of work in this oh, yeah. space to understand what is intuition. And have you had people that have doubted and said that you, you can't predict this, like that this is magic, that you can't, is there like an art theme here that you can't get traction? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I think... Um, AI in a lot of ways and deep learning and computer vision and, you know, um, ways of looking at unstructured data, you know, you know, behind the creative, whether it's like audio, visual, video, or like large groups of texts, so the stuff that doesn't fit in the spreadsheet. It's interesting, you know, there's, there, I, I believe that there's a new, like, um, um, set of talents that come to the table where, you know, I think sometimes engineers try to oversimplify um, what data science or what AI is doing. And then you have, you know, data um, experts and analysts that, that try to oversimplify how the technology works. And the truth is, you know, when it comes to AI, you got to have that, you know, really healthy balance of understanding both data but also technology and, and, and math, um, you know, to really, you know, look at things differently and, and, and to have, you know, machines be as effective, if not more effective than humans. 
And, and so I think it's one of those things where it, it sounds too good to be true, but the truth is, you know, AI is like electricity. It's already benefiting all of our lives. Um, you know, you know, whether, you know, it's, you know, our, in our Apple device or, um, um, you know, um, or if it's, you know, um, um, autonomous driving. I mean, there, there's already, you know, things where, you know, AI is really benefiting humans and it's really optimizing us, you know, to be a lot more effective and a lot more efficient. Um, but Ben, let's talk a little more about you and in your background. You know, you're very accomplished. You've, you've collaborated um, before and then after working at DataRobot with, you know, Intel, NVIDIA, HP. You've worked with a lot of, like, different brands. And I believe, I mean, I mean have you worked in a little bit also with, like, SpaceX? I mean, if you could expound upon, you know, some, some, some of your career accomplishments. Yeah, so I, I started working at Intel Micron. This is applied semiconductor, and then I got an opportunity to go work at a hedge fund. And I think that's what gave me my foundation in data science. Because if you're a data scientist, and if someone comes in the room and says that they're a quant, and, and by quant I mean not like the business analyst quant. I mean like if if you tell a data scientist that you're a hardcore quant, they will immediately see you as a peer. I would even argue they might see you as something else. They might see you as because because data building predictive models in finance, they're you can you can make you can get value tomorrow, so why don't you get value tomorrow? Like it, when it comes to delivering value, it's one of the fastest turnaround points, and that's why you have quants that make so much money, because they can do some clever AI and machine learning. So for me, that was the fire hose, that was where I got my foundation. And then I joined a Sequoia Capital company called HireView. I was their chief data scientist. I built out their team, um, and then I co-founded Zeph, like you mentioned. And so along this this way, it, this feels more like a technical background. But I fell in love with storytelling and I didn't know that was happening. So I started speaking, started doing keynotes and my keynotes were quite different than anything else that people were seeing in the AI community. Cause most, you go to a data science conference and, and this will sound pretty critical, but I think it's a fair criticism. Most of the talks, they're forgettable. They all blend together. There's nothing, there's nothing you're going to go home and tell your loved one. There's nothing you're going to go home and tell your, your family. You'll never guess what I saw at this conference today. You, you you do see those talks. Those talks are there, but those are the talks that make a difference. So I was giving those types of talks, and this gets more into the creative. So what, what was I doing with AI that was making Jaws fall open, and people began to invite me, like SpaceX invited me to come out, uh, Red Bull, these different companies, the U.S. government, they've invited me to come out and present on AI because they see examples that shock them. Um, and, so, and so I think kind of the core of it is being selfish. You, you need to be selfish on your content. You need to find something that you selfishly think is the coolest thing you've ever thought of and then go do it. And so I'm a big fan of doability. If something's impossible or if doability is in the way, I that's never a hesitation for me. Yeah. So if I think I can go do something, I will obsess about it until I accomplish it. And, and that's led to some of these milestone talks that have made some waves in the AI community. Wow. No, that's amazing. And so... Let's tie it back to entertainment and like video. Um, we're seeing this, this new revolution of decentralized content. There's more content and more content creators than ever before. I believe there's 50 million um, people that consider themselves content creators and influencers. And then you have thousands of Hollywoods when you know, it used to be you know, one you know, central place. And, and, you know, you have Netflix, which is bigger than the top five cable networks combined. But then you have, you know, um, you know which is non-ad supported. But then you also have uh, on YouTube and Instagram or TikTok where the majority of the views are coming from content creators, which is really hard for us humans to really compute or understand of, like, all the content that is out there and, and what that means to us, you know, as a, as a business um, and, 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 you know, running an AI um, um, company in entertainment, you know, we were forced to evolve because there was way too much content to monitor. And so we needed, you know, AI technology and algorithms to help monitor that was out there, but also to contextualize what's happening in that content to know what we need to prioritize. And so right now we're experiencing the era of the artist. It's beautiful. There's, there's more art and more content and more self-expression um, that's relevant to a much more um, diverse group. It's way more inclusive, and everyone can find their niche or, you know, whatever resonates with them. 
and, and, and content is on the rise. I mean, even after quarantine and everything, everything's still going up, both with you know, more traditional entertainment as well as with these con digital content creators. What do you think is the future of, uh, of, of entertainment, and, and how is AI going to be a part of it? I, I love this question. I, I was hoping you'd. I hope. I was hoping you'd bring it to this point because there's something profound, where the they're they're perfectly paired up because AI, it actually becomes a human will get trapped in a process at work. So I'm not talking about you. You're you guys are very lucky working in creative space, but I would argue you have humans before that were trapped working a process. So think of like an underwriter for an insurance company or your um, a, a technician doing quality review you're not using your creative thinking. You are a cog in a wheel. And with AI bringing automation, you're gonna have a lot more humans that are able to escape the process. So I see AI is a creative maximizer for everyone. And so I think you're gonna have more humans that are able to produce more creative content. It's gonna take less work. And so I, there, there's so many different avenues where this is being accelerated because um, I would argue on the content creation, some of the early content creators spent how many hours producing their content, right? Like like if you really knew how much time they put into their content, which I'm sure you do, they, it's soul crushing, especially when you're getting started. Like you spend many, many hours just editing that content. And so the faster we can do that, right? The faster you can push content, but also what are you doing during your day job? And are you able to have more creative time? Um, the, the, the other thing you reminded me of, I think it's important to call out that most executives fail at what you're doing. 85% of companies fail with their AI initiatives. They don't pay for themselves. They don't offer a competitive edge. And I think um, something that you guys did really, really well, I like to tell executives, there's some simple questions to ask. Where's your growth bottlenecked? Um, uh, where's your growth bottlenecked by human capital? If I could gift you a thousand employees tomorrow, they're experts, what do you want them to be and where are you gonna put them? They're free. You don't have to pay for them for a year. And these, um, if you had, you have a number in your business. If you can make a very small change that would make you happy from an impact perspective, what are those numbers? And so those questions make you focus. I think where you guys started focusing early on, where you quickly found some transformative levers to pull on, where you then spill over into this greenfield space where competitors aren't playing there because humans can't play there because it would require thousands of humans. And it would break every business model if you actually had humans that were doing some of the stuff. No, that no, that right. that's a good point. You know, um, AI definitely empowers individuals and businesses to be relieved and to escape the tedious details. And and for you know, you, you referenced you know our business where you know we you know use AI to work with creators, um, both helping them grow their audiences and growing their revenues, but also helping brands navigate all these tens of millions of pieces of content that are being uploaded every day and, and, and how to be successful. And so, you know, before, you know, an individual could probably work with, you know, 300 to 400 um, different creators a month. You know, our goal is to make it so we can make it so it's not just the top 2% of creators that are making money, but where we can expand that middle class of creators, and we, we want to make it so one individual can eventually work with a thousand creators a month, which you know, I think we're already actually close to that, uh, but to 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000. I mean, literally, there's 10, 50 million creators, and we work with tens of thousands of them every year, but we're not even close to working with millions of them every year. There's just not enough you know, brands that have evolved you know, to really benefit from all the inventory that is out there. But, you know, you have to, you know, get really good at comparing apples to apples to other forms of media, but also, you know, being able to be predictive and us being able to, you know, predict, you know, native, you know, views from, from creators to be able to predict clicks or in some cases, if we train the algorithm, you know, well enough conversions and which we do that for a variety of brands um, um, that work with creators where, where every month we guarantee them revenue on, on what you know they're going to get you know as a response of working with certain creators, that has been game changing. Where you know we've been able to hire 170 people this year, year to date, and the reason why is because 
um, you know, we, ha we have, you know, AI um, um, powered applications and technology that, that really makes it so we can hire people that maybe don't have a lot of experience in the space, but they can still be very effective in, 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 in running, you know, brand campaigns because of all the things where the AI is helping them save time. And it's usually all those like tedious details um, that, you know, it used to take someone, you know, an, uh, hours to go through a list of 50 craters and try to crack the numbers to figure out like what we can expect um, to, to, to see as an outcome when it comes to viewership. And many of the times it was wrong. Right now, our AI is 25% more effective than humans in predicting views. And just to give, you know, the listeners context, um, it's a really big deal if, you know, the AI is like 10% less effective than humans. I mean, that right there is you're already into a space of scale. If they match what humans do, that's even better. But the fact that, you know, with all this content and with all the data that is out there where the AI is able to, you know, be 25% more effective, you know, that's, that's game changing. It's never happened, um, you know, in the world of entertainment or advertising. Um, on TV, you know, our AI has been able to predict eight out of the top 10 pilots on, on linear television for the last three years, been able to do more than that. And that's also an area where just, there hasn't been a lot of investments when it, when it comes to you know, predictive analytics, and we've been very fortunate to do that. Now, you, you bring up like creators. How can you know, AI help people that are editing and creating content um, to be less burned out and less exhausted? Because you hear this from all the top creators that at one point or another they get burnt out or they need a break. Some people have quit, you know, um, creating content because, you know, they're tired of the burnout. Um, where do you think AI is going to be helpful to content creators creating content? There, there's some quick wins and I, I'm, I'm sure there's companies out there that are already playing in this space. So, uh, so video is complicated, but to simplify it, if we talked about photos, just as a, an analogy or to proxy proxy briefly, to have an AI system that automatically ranks photos based on the likelihood of them being selected. So think of like whether or not you're smiling, but even something like your relative attractiveness relative to yourself, are you the most attractive in this photo compared to something where it's off? Like we've all had photos taken of ourselves where you think, I don't like this photo. I don't, I think it's, it's not a Christmas card worthy photo. That is so easy for AI today to go through stack rank. And as long as you have the training set, so now getting into the video component, the experience is king. So who is going to have the most experience with editing and taking videos out? So you, even with this podcast, I don't think we've said anything inappropriate or anything that has to be edited out, but I've got a podcast too, and we have to do a lot of editing. So as you build up that experience, you could imagine AI automatically editing your content in the style that you want, or AI should be really good at anticipating what you need. So. We are, we're, we are moving into a future where AI in the future, uh, 5, 10, 20 years from now, it will live to please you. And what I mean by that is imagine you wake up in the morning, you're drinking coffee, you're having conversation in your home, you want to know what it did last night because you gave it some tasks. You gave it some verbal tasks to go and conquer and do these things. And it is obsessed with pleasing you. And if it got stuck, you can have a conversation with it. So now getting back to the creator side, if AI is working hard to automatically edit your video, if you have some feedback, you say, oh, I don't like how you did this. I don't like how you do that. We're going to reach a point where you can have a conversation with AI like you would with junior talent. So you, you have very senior talent that'll take longer, but with junior talent, I think you could have a natural conversation. So the creator, it's an iteration, right? The, the wins will be small, but they will start to speed up. And I think 10 to 20 years from now, I, it's really hard for me to imagine someone doing all of these edits. Yeah. Like, like you might do in final cut pro or where you can, just, you know, verbally I, not... give direction to, you know, um, the AI or, you know, the algorithms and, and say, Hey, this is how I want things edited. And I want this emotion to come yeah. across. I want to make sure that, you know, it's very engaging. And then, um, there could be a rough draft and then eventually a final draft that's created just based on verbal cues to, to tech. Yeah. And I think we're seeing some of this on, have you noticed the iPhone now will automatically put together videos for mm -hmm. memories? So based on geolocation it's or impressive. date, they will, yeah, like it, it's fun to watch and you didn't have to do it. You didn't, you know, you and I are busy and I think that's just going to get better and better. And so 
we're talking about the creator side here, but a big part of this will enable um, memory capture because we have work, but we also have family and reasons that we enjoy living on traveling. I was in Orlando yesterday uh, going to Animal Kingdom and different things with kids. And these experiences, the human memory fades. You will not be able to remember your trip to Cancun five years ago. Ten, year, ten years ago, forget it. You can't remember it. But by maybe you can remember. I think you have a better memory than I do. Um, but with digital capture, video, being able to videotape everything we do, 360 video, being able to like automatically edit it out, you will be able to go back and visit any memory in your life that was meaningful to you. And that will, I think that'll be a blessing because you can like, and you've seen some of my snowboarding backcountry content. So I produce a lot of very aggressive backcountry ski content and I post it on LinkedIn, which is hilarious because that content wouldn't normally be on LinkedIn, but it scares the hell out of people that see it in San Francisco. And I'm, I'm convinced other than, you know, you've been good at storytelling and making good content. I think one of the reasons why you have the amount of followers you have that are, you know, which, which is a good amount. I mean, 50,000 is a lot in the AI world. Um, um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I wonder it's because like you are like a former amateur um, 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 professional snowboarder making very cool, aggressive content. I don't think that is something that's typically that happens a lot in the in the data science world or, you know, with AI experts. And so I think you're kind of that individual that's a little edgy, you know, you know talking yeah. data. Would you agree with that, well, or am I marginalizing everything that you do? <laughs> no, no, I, I agree with that. It's actually funny because by me posting video content where people people are convinced I'm trying to die, so I will get comments where people will criticize me and say, "Do you have kids?" Because I'll have a video of me walking on a cornice, and there's a three thousand foot drop, and so people that watch this video content they have anxiety because what if I fall? And the funny thing is novelty seeking is a behavior of intelligent animals. So humans, we seek novelty. If you and I were happy in Hawaii and there's a scary mountain, eventually some human, some idiot human would climb over the mountain and die trying to see what's on the other side because we, we hunt for novelty. So the, the funny thing here, the theme I'm trying to get to is being an adrenaline junkie and showing content where you are risking death. I think there's a theme there where some people, I'm not saying this makes you smarter because I think it's kind of dumb, but there is a theme there where I think some people perceive that as courageousness or intelligent in intelligence confidence well that's interesting like, I you know i mean i, 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 I think i see where you're going with this if, if you're adventurous and courageous you know there's a good chance that you're going to be a part of an anomaly that can then help change society and improve society to model after it and 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 to be able to do it more consistently and as a result i guess in some ways or another elevate the human race or the human experience yeah it comes back to legacy and um, being founders, you, I had a great conversation in Vegas uh, last week with an investor, and I was kind of chuckling about the reality distortion of founders. Because every new founder thinks they've got the next Facebook, they think they're going to they're take over the world. I was kind of poking fun of that. And he was commenting about, I think you need that. Like as a new founder, you actually have to be that crazy that you think that could happen. And you and I would say, well, it's not a rational... So this gets into this concept of emotions versus emotional behavior versus rational behavior. Some of the most exciting things that humans do, it's on the emotional side. You're doing a startup is not a rational thing that you should do. Most startups fail. I don't, and you, and you having gone through that, you and I would not recommend that as like a fun thing to do. It's, you've got the pit in your stomach, soul crushing, you have hard days, and then you have family and friends that tell you to quit. Yeah. You know, being a CEO so, of a much bigger company is way easier for me than going mm -hmm. and starting a new business. Well, it, it, and I think a big part of that too is you can attract the talent and the experience to surround you, so you're not you're, you're not in a panic about payroll two weeks from now, um, having a bigger company. And that's true of Data Robot. Um, you know, we're we are one of the larger AI companies now, um, which is really exciting as we continue to grow. But it's also nice that payroll will be paid. I don't need to worry about. Yeah, I, not having to pay payroll is definitely a nice break. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We we we. It's interesting, like where Data Robot is, and where like Ben Group is, because um, Data Robot, you work across a variety of industries, government, etc. When it comes to like AI solutions, 
we're very niche to entertainment. And, you know, I think we're a, yeah. we're a similar size business, but we, we focus on helping content creators be more data-driven and saving time, which, which helps them grow their audience, but also helping them, you know, grow their revenue and also to help inspire them to keep creating content. That's one thing that we do with the TubeBuddy side, but we also try to bring them brand deals and try to be doing that at scale. And then we also, you know, um, own the biggest, you know, product placement company in the world. Um, that is in 95% of the, most of the SVOD platforms. And, but like, there's just so much data here where like, it's hard for us to see how do we expand outside of entertainment because there's just so much to do here with tens of millions of videos that are out there to, to learn from and which is data. And, and um, you yeah. know, with Data Robot, you have a different challenge because, I mean, as you connect with new partners and new clients, you have to start from the ground up. On, on, on helping them be very successful or how to better manage their data. Um, th talk more about that. Like, what are the challenges and what are the yeah. things that are exciting about what you're doing? Yeah, it, um, and I, I'm smiling when you, when you ask this because there's so many emotions that go into the background behind this. So AI has matured in the messaging. And I would like to say that DataRobot's much further, like you made the distinction that we, we definitely are a generalist company we're in every industry, uh, we have a lot of experience. But when we started out, if you go back in time and look at some of our messaging, it's a little cringy. And it's not because we're doing anything wrong, it's because we were naive. You know, we're, we have a platform, imagine what you could do. Like, you know, I'd, I'd lean into you and say, Ricky, you really need to buy the Data Robot platform because imagine what you could do this year. And, and the funny thing with that conversation is, where's the value? Where's my commitment to you on value? It's not even there. And it throws it all on you. And so as data robots matured, I think they are really good at doing proof of value out of the gate. So they'll do a 30 day proof of value, something that you like because you say, awesome, it's a win. I don't, and this gets into pricing, right? So with my startup with pricing, I was always anxious to hit people with pricing. I felt uncomfortable. And if I feel uncomfortable, the answer is really simple. The only reason you would feel uncomfortable with pricing is you're not confident that I'm going to get a return on that price. But if I come to you and say, Hey, Ricky, um, data robots, 5 million a year, you would, you wouldn't care if the value was there. If the value is there and it's a, and if it's a healthy multiplier, you don't care what the price is. But if you don't know if the value's there, the, it's a very different conversation. So, so data robot is really led with value first. And I think that's something the data science community has lacked. Mm, yeah. They're, they're kind of this academic playland, and, and some people will get these, um, these executive data science positions where they'll have runway, they'll have three to five years of runway to do something. So they actually don't have to show attribution for a couple of years, which is crazy because you have to show attribution every mm -hmm. quarter. These people coming into like deep R and D, like imagine if you hire me mm -hmm. and you essentially tell me, yeah, two years, you, you wouldn't do this, but other <laughs> people do this <laughs> two years. Yeah. You don't need to show any attribution, just build the foundation, build out the R and D team. But that's where the failures happen. And I, that's the other thing I like about startups is they bring urgency. So you have that tension between strategic thinking and urgency, and you need both. You need the tug and pull. Well, if you run the, the business the right way, that if you want it to become a, a high growth business, is you need to embrace failure. You want to fail. Mm -hmm. And you need to fail yes, quickly. You need to fail as fast as possible. And, yeah. and I, I think, you know, and, you know, the majority of our listeners you know, on this podcast are content creators, um, you know, from, mm -hmm. you know, TikTok to YouTube and also, you know, um, executives from, you know, um, you know, Hollywood. Um, we have we have we have a, we have a, a very unique you know, audience um, on this podcast. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, some creators are very nervous about, but also, you know, the ones that are really good and very data driven, they celebrate they, they learn what's winning, what's working, and what's not working. And, um, and, and, and it, it's interesting, you know, RAI um, tries to contextualize to make our lives easier of like, okay, what's happening on a creator's um, channel? And, you know, there's some creators, like, for example, Mr. Beast, who has, and I don't know if he even knows this, but there's literally probably 50 different series on, on, on his channel. And so our team, when they, we look, when we look at that channel, we try to look at, okay, based on what a brand wants to accomplish, what series 
is going to have the most impact for what the brand is going to, you know, to, to see when it comes to success, whether it's viewership or, or conversions, et cetera. And we can like go a layer deeper to, you know, better, you know, contextualize what's happened with the content to, to, to make, um, either a client or a creator to be, you know, more successful. And, and, um, and so it, it's one of those, you know, you know, areas where, you know, in order to be a creator and to grow content, you know, failing fast is also really important and to like look at feedback and to be as data driven as possible. Um, but, you know, you, you, you see which, where the wins are, where the failures are, and then from there you can optimize. And I, I get really excited, yeah. you know, when, when we acquired, you know, TubeBuddy, you know, we were very excited to help empower the creator economy. And, and the reason why we did it, I'll, I'll tell you a story, actually. There's um, a creator that we've had on the podcast named Preston Plays. Um, Preston's a gamer. He also does a lot of challenge videos, um, really good content, really nice guy out of Texas. And um, I, I was speaking at Vid Summit a couple of years ago and showing all the wins that we've had with AI and, and what we're doing with brands, et cetera, and, and, and how it's through creators and through entertainment going to change advertising. And, um, you know, Preston, you know, got up and asked a question and put me on the spot. And he said, it's great what you're doing with all this data for brands, but what are you doing for creators? And it, mm -hmm. and it put me in the spot where I was like, oh, shoot, like, <laughs> you know, that, that's a complicated question. And the truth is there's so much data out there to be able to help creators to be a lot more accurate and a, a lot more effective um, in them being able to predict their own viewership or their revenues or, you know, their click-through rates or subscribers. And, um, and you know, we, we found TubeBuddy and, and, the, and the goal was to literally, you know, help take this amazing platform that has helped over 8 million creators um, to be even more accurate and, and, and more effective. And, you know, after we had like two, two weeks of our AI team just, you know, you know working on the TubeBuddy um, products, you know, we were able to improve, and this hasn't gone live yet, but we were able to improve our keyword search, which is, you know, probably next to our A-B testing, the, 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 the most popular feature. We were able to improve that um, just, you know, Looking at the data just a little differently, um, we were able to improve the keyword search by 30%. And th that was, you know, a result, you know, of, you know, being able to look at things and figure out, okay, this is something that's already working. How can we make it even more effective, more impactful? And, and I think this is what's, you know, it's going to raise the bar, I think, not just for creators, but across all industries of, you know what, we're used to this and it's working really well, but how can we even elevate more? And, and yeah. you know, understanding failure and embracing failure is one way, but others is how you look at data. And so let's let's talk a little about about data and let's maybe give some. I mean, I'd love you to give some advice to creators around data. So, you know, we we talk a lot, you know, in the AI world um, about structured and unstructured data. Um, could you define both, you know, um, for for the audience? And then let's talk about um, how important it is to know and have the context around this data. I think the easiest lay explanation for structured versus unstructured data is if your audience is familiar with Excel or a database where you have rows and columns that's structured, most data can go into that. And a lot of the data, I'd say, I forget the numbers, you might know more than I do. It's like 90% of data is structured. You have a lot of transaction data, but that's changing where you now have unstructured data that's starting to blow over because you've got YouTube and all the stuff that's growing very quickly. And so we're kind of flipping this unstructured data is stuff like images, text, geolocation data. Like it's, it just doesn't fit nicely in a database. And, it, and one of the things I heard once, um, I can't remember who said it, but maybe this is common sense. Unstructured data is data that's waiting to be structured. So you can name any unstructured data type, a video images. I can actually represent that as a structured, I, I can structure it. And for the, this is getting very technical and we don't have to go technical, but I can essentially take any, anything and convert it into a format that I can shove into, um, into Excel. And it's the computer has actually digested it down into the, the fundamental building blocks. And so one of the things we push at data robot is this idea of multi-model multi-modality model building, where we have different data types coming together, which is more fair. Cause that's what you do as a human. So if you're, 
in healthcare, and if you're looking at an image and trying to decide cancer, not cancer, a doctor would use the patient history. They'd use all the other information in addition to the image to make that determination. And so we see this AI, there's two camps of AI. You have experimental AI, and then you have applied. They're very different. And I like to, the more I could lean in and make fun of people in experimental, because experimental would say cancer detection, true or false. Applied would say, let's bring in all the subject matter experts. There might be more than one. It'd be the clinician, the people that understand insurance billing codes, and let's bring in all the data that matters and let's actually do something that makes an impact. So that's the applied camp. They think about problems very differently than the experimental camp. The experimental camp, they have horse blinders on. They, they're navel gazing. Yeah. Um, I, I think I ran away from your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You went pretty deep. Well, oh, we man. call I, I mean, uh, experimental and applied, what we call internally is um, um, research, AI research, and, 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 and then the applied team. and. Both sides need to innovate. Both sides need to be very inventive. Applied yeah. is like taking something that works and like making it scale and work even better and making sure that over time it gets more and more effective. With research, how we look at research is we, we literally have, um, you know, someone that's like a, 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 a post-grad, a, a post-grad neuros, neuroscientist and um, deep learning expert um, that is trying to recreate brains digitally and figure out, okay, how can we better understand the con the contents or the context of the video um, from a, a post-analysis um, perspective? And we've had a lot of breakthroughs mm -hmm. in, in doing that because sometimes AI can predict and, and sometimes there's a black box where it's really hard to know why it's predicting a certain way. And, and because yeah. it's looking at data in a way that humans just can't comprehend, you know, if, if you look at this pen, you're going to describe this pen in maybe, you know, 12, 15 different ways. The AI can look at this pen and describe it in 10 million different ways. And they can analyze videos with other pens. They can determine if this pen is a cheap pen or an expensive pen or, you know, how it sounds when you hit it against a microphone or how, you know, um, how easy it is to break, et cetera. It, 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 it's going to look at an object, let's say in video content, and be able to recognize that better than a human could ever. And then also understand, okay, what's the impact of that object in the content? And so when you come to, you know, doing brand integrations or, you know, trying to be more helpful for creators, you know, to be more effective on like on how their videos can improve, understanding that context is very important, but there isn't a lot of, um, companies or organizations that have really done something that has helped creators, especially, um, you know, have something that's very scalable to help there. And so that's one of those things that we're having our research team do to where they're experimenting and like inventing, not, you know, you know, AI, but they're inventing new types of algorithms and, and, and figuring out how to make algorithms train faster, how to be, you know, much more, you know, effective in making predictions, um, you know, in, in order to, you know, just, you know, level up, you know, the industry and, and make it so we can take a lot more guesswork out of it. And, and, yeah. um, and so when I see like exper experimental or research versus applied, applied is okay, it's been proven, like, let's, let's, let's make this thing like, just, you know, explode in growth. And with research, you kind of have to go and invent things and figure out, okay, there is not a solution to these problems over here. So let's, let's try to, you know, create you know, a, 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 you know, a neural network that's going to make it so we can look at the data better and then, you know, get a better idea of like, you know, what outcomes can come as a result of it that we can then hand over to a, the applied team once we've been able to test it out. Yeah. I, I think maybe I'll carve out a, a portion okay. of the experimental group because there is a, there is a group, I'm not saying this group exists in your company, but there is a group of AI, experimental AI researchers that I, I, I want to be very critical of and they, they're, they're, I'll give you, here, here's a clear example. So elderly slip and fall, you and I have grandparents, we've had grandparents. My grandma fell and broke her hip in her home. She was old, this will happen. And so if I'm gonna build an AI system to detect elderly slip and fall, there are people in the AI experimental community that will say, great, I'll put a camera, a few cameras in the home. I see you fall, I tell someone you fell. And for that AI researcher, I would say, you guys are idiots because 
you're not taking the big approach. You're not, you're not, you're not actually solving the problem because a, a smarter way is to say, I'm going to have seven cameras in your home and I'm going to do anomaly detection. What if you go to the bathroom for four hours? I have a problem with that. What if you don't get out of bed in the morning? I have a problem with that. What if you don't show up for breakfast? I have a problem with that. So I quickly came up with a list of outcomes that the first AI researchers weren't prepared to handle because they're kind of stuck. So, so I guess when it comes to AI research, I always want people to, to involve the subject matter experts, think of all the data that matters and take a very wide approach, but also be very critical. Like, like pretend like you and I were having a competition. If I tell you what I'm doing, can you come and bite my head off or can I bite your head off? And that's a good way to kind of fail before we start. Cause let's not go build a camera system in a elderly home. If it's going to fail because you fell around the corner, but yeah, not, I want to get it back to the creative. Cause I, I did want to compliment. I did want to compliment you and say, if I put my CMO hat on, there's this interesting transformation um, happening in the industry where classical marketing, I will go and bet on formula one. I'll take like my marketing budget, make a massive bet. If it doesn't hit, that's a lot of risk for me where you're talking about, I can make a bet that is now distributed across tens, hundreds, or even thousands of influencers. I see that as just like a stock portfolio. I'm now mitigating my risk, right? I'm now, I'm not going to have this formula one goose egg mm -hmm. if it doesn't hit. Is that, is that well, something that is true? I, I think it goes industry? full circle. Um, you know, sometimes we, I think, overcomplicate like what AI is and how it's going to be helpful. And there's some people that, you know, are really nervous about singularity or AGI coming out and like taking over the human race and robots are going to, you know, reign the earth or, 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 you know, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories, et cetera, around that. But it's just AI is really just, you know, a way of looking at data more effectively and 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 build a. Um, look at it in a way where it could help us predict what's going to happen and, and, and help us predict, you know, like the future. And one thing with, you know, I think in creating content or, you know, in advertising or marketing in general, um, there's always been data, but people have only looked at the structured data. And there's a problem with yeah. that. And the reason why that's a problem, and this is both, I think, creators and brands. The problem is structured data is you know ten to twenty percent of all the data that's out there, and mm -hmm. and especially in this world of entertainment um, and with content, I would probably say ninety percent of the you know data is probably unstructured. And so when I referenced earlier that you know we've had algorithms that have been very good at helping predict clicks or helping to predict conversions, um, guess what data is helping us the most? The unstructured. The unstructured. And, mm -hmm. and the reason why, you know, we've been able to, you know, have these wins that have had these huge breakthroughs um, is because we looked at 100% of the entire picture, not just 10 to 20% of it. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's interesting when it comes to predicting literally like, you know, how many clicks a creator is going to get or how many conversions, you know, a group of creators are going to get. The, the, the most important feature in the unstructured is actually audio, you know, which, which says mm -hmm. a lot. And, and and so, you know, our goal is to empower artists to create art and to also make it so more brands, you know, give resources to creators to be empowered to, to make more art and also um, for creators to take out more guesswork um, and, and be much more data driven. And what, what we're trying to bring to the table is saying, you know, is basically saying, look, there's all this content and it's confusing because it's so decentralized. Um, and it's also complicated for marketers because, you know, 90% of the globe is trying to, you know, skip ads. And so understanding the content and being inside the content is more important now than ever before. And it's more important now with all these content creators for content, these, these creators and influencers and, and movie producers, you know, to be a lot more data driven. And so what we're trying to do to really, you know, bring to the table to the creator economy and, 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 and to all the content creators out there is we want them to be able to have the tools in place to look at all the data. So they're not just looking at the Excel mm -hmm. spreadsheet and looking at their average views or just looking at clicks or little engagements, but where they have a technology that can look at and analyze, you know, content and, and 
in a, you know, tens of millions of ways rather than, you know, just from, you know, a human's, you know, brain and, and, and two eyeballs and trying to, you know, you know, capture, you know, context from that. We try to get a machine to do that where a machine can learn like a human, but can scale, you know, you know, like technology. And so mm -hmm. when it comes to like all the wins that we've had, you know, I, I can simplify that it's because, you know, we've been able to invest in the infrastructure and in the technology to analyze unstructured data, to be able to analyze video and, and to, to be able to be better at predicting outcomes um, of, of how well that video is going to do. And, and yeah. you know, I mentioned that the AI is already 25% more effective than humans in predicting views, while it's 11% more effective than humans in predicting clicks. And, and, um, and so this is something where, you know, we feel like there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of opportunity here, not just to help brands, you know, empower creators to create more content, but for creators, you know, to be a lot more scientific and to save time when they're creating content so that, you know, content can be more effective and can be, can be better analyzed by looking at all the data rather than just a small percentage of it. Yeah. So uh, unstructured data is interesting because you hit that scaling issue that you brought up. Like it, you actually, a human has to literally watch that content and that adds up to many hours where AI can go through much faster and you can scale. You can fire that up on the cloud, multiple nodes. The other interesting thing is humans actually have a hard time unpacking intuition. And sometimes their intuition sucks. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a dart on the board. It's, it's guesswork. So one of my favorite plots is looking at podcast episode, uh, drop off. So you have killer episodes. There's no drop off. You have your weaker episodes and you see a drop off point. If you just show me that and you say, Ben, why was there drop off here? I could try to make up some story. I can try to back into the facts and argue why I think that happened. I actually don't really know like it's intuition, but if you bring in AI and if you have enough data, you can actually begin to, AI can begin to tell a story that I was unable to tell. Does it, is that, so I think in, intuition unpacking is very useful for creators because they might not know why an episode, one of their, you know, some of their content did well and another one didn't. And you, you have, that's a very, that's a very bold theory. And I, but I, I think I agree with it like unpacking intuition, mm -hmm. you know, there's sometimes as humans where we get this gut feel that if we do it this way, it's going to be effective. And I think that happens a lot mm -hmm. in the creative you know, process where, you know, we usually celebrate that people are just very naturally creative and, and that they can, you know, make good content that performs. But the truth is, you know, whether it's subconscious or, you know, but they're, they're just better probably at, um, at data gathering in a different way. And, 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 and maybe yeah. when it comes to creative and when it comes to unstructured, you know, data, they can analyze and better, you know, you know, pick up correlations or causations of what could make a video better or an image better. And um, I, I, I would agree with you on this where I think AI is, is really, you know, the missing element in technology to help us, you know, better understand that gut check or like, you know, you know, or those, you know, intuitive you know, feelings of like what's going to work and what's not going to work, but they can, but, it, but AI can actually bring math and science to the table um, and, 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 and make a much better argument than I think humans ever could. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I, I did have a thought while you were talking mm -hmm. that I, I'm going to try to coin a new term that m maybe this won't, maybe it won't even make sense <laughs> or work, but there's this concept of um, intelligent design. So intelligent design is this exciting thing where, you go get an MRI scan. The antenna in that machine was not designed by a human. It was designed by a computer where they did many iterations to produce an antenna that had the maximum performance. And so now imagine this new concept that will emerge over time called this intelligent creative, where an AI is actually producing creative content that never happened. So just like we, people listening to the show might not know that AI can produce faces and even video sequences the people that don't exist. And I think for, I think that you can search a website like people that don't exist.com. I, I don't go, I, I don't know the domain, but you can see some of these fake faces. They're unbelievable. They will trick anyone. Um, but I think for some of your creators like Mr. Beast that have more content, you could imagine some micro clips or scenarios that are automatically created and they're tr going through your AI and they're trying to test different combinations of creative content. 
or scripts that they think could fire. So imagine your creators actually having potential script ideas coming yeah. down. And then they are deciding what they're going to execute on. So right now they're stuck <laughs> in their heads yeah. trying to decide what to execute on. So this is stuff that we're already working on, believe it or not. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> and, awesome. You know, and, 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 you know, I think this is also, you know, areas where like GPT-3, you know, from open AI is going to be extremely helpful, um, yeah. you know, and, and be able to communicate, you know, um, you know, um, to, to help better, you know, um, AI and even better, better communicate, you know, whether it's, you know, scripts or titles, et cetera. But, um, no, that's, no, that, no, that's, that's very interesting. Um, let's, 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 Let's get a little futuristic here, and, and you know, as, as we get close to wrapping up, um, did you ever um, watch? Um, um, I believe it's a, it's a it's a it's a movie on Netflix called Vandersnatch. Uh, is it part of the Black Mirror yes. series? Well, it's not part um, of the series, but it's, it's the same filmmakers where you know you use your control okay. and like you do a choose your own adventure. So you choose what cereal they eat. You choose. You know, um, you know, you know what direction you know you feel the content should go. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. So, I get really excited about the future because you know I think that choose your own adventure or like it, which is very similar and kind of copycatted like you know early YouTube days of choose your own adventure annotations, like where YouTubers would create choose your own adventures where you could click on a certain area and decide you know what direction or scenario that you wanted the creator to, to create. Well, yeah, this is scary, but I, I, I hope this ends up happening. And I, I think it will go in this direction. Imagine if you're you know watching content and the AI is able to change what's happening in that content based on how you're emotionally reacting. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. you're laughing at a certain part, it optimizes the you know the rest of the video to make you continually laugh if that's what you want to get out of it, or if you want to yeah. get scared, um, the AI can like have a bunch of different scenarios that could be you know scary based on what your preferences of being scared are. Um, do you think we're going in that you know realm of of entertainment where you know AI will be able to look at our bio data and predict you know how we are going to react to the content? I think so. I actually posted about this a couple of years ago on Halloween because the, the really dark portion of this is imagine I go downstairs to my basement, I've got this entertainment system and I put on this VR headset or I've, I'm just looking at the TV and if it's using real time feedback, maybe there's a thermal camera or it's got some skin, it's trying to detect if I'm sweating and it's trying to, it's monitoring my heart. If you are, if you have arachnophobia, if you have different um, fears that cause you anxiety, AI will find that out quickly. And, and the scary thing here is if it truly is, if it's not just giving you prefabricated content, if it actually is allowed to produce anything. So we talked about GANs, generative adversarial networks. If it is able to do completely new innovative horror where it can innovate on monsters or scenarios, you could actually cross into a black mirror territory where you come over to my house, you go downstairs, you put this on, you come up an hour later and you are different. So you could actually have a psychotic break because think of like, we have these fears that are irrational, like arachnophobia mm -hmm. or what's that one with like, if there's too many holes in something, it gives humans feel uncomfortable. Um, so some of these fears could actually just hit your brain in a way where now you need to go do PTSD therapy. Mm -hmm to fix oh, what you just that did. got dark really fast <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was talking about entertainment and you just took it to a whole other level <laughs> Goodness gracious, ben. well you know it, it's interesting because this is all really important stuff and where we have to be you know very careful and make sure that there's the, the right checks and balances and systems in place because um when it comes to entertainment or when it comes to video or you know experiential um you know it can be used you know AI could be used in a way that can be somewhat toxic, um, especially when it comes to like propaganda. Um, you know, making sure you know, you know, we talk about Cambridge Analytica and like all the issues that you know happen with that company. Um, you know, I, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg of things that could happen, especially if um, you know 
um, people got or uh, with AI got better and better, you know, at, at manipulating and it could be, you know, a, a toxic engine for 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 um, propaganda. And maybe this is a, a question for you that kind of puts you on the hot seat. As your algorithms get better and better at predicting attention, could you potentially add fuel to that fire where 20, 40, 50 years from now, is there going to be this scenario where algorithms are so good that the moment I get off this call, I will now be... So think of like TikTok on steroids. Mm -hmm. Like TikTok, maybe this is already happening. Yeah. Like TikTok is so good at sending people So content, good at discovery. They'll just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll sit there for hours, and if we're at tip of the iceberg, where 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you are so good at earning my attention mm -hmm. from an algorithm perspective that I am helpless to, I, I'm helpless to not give it to you. You know, I, I think, you know, with some of the major platforms, this is sort of starting to happen. Um, and, you know, that's why you have these rabbit holes of misinformation, and it's much harder today than ever before um, you know, to determine if data is bad data or good data. And, you know, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, you know, you can look at all the doomsday scenarios about like, you know, how this could be dangerous, but, you know, I think the benefit is, um, you can, you know, have AI structure to help balance it. And so, you know, right now there's a misinformation issue where, you know, you have a, you know, a crazy uncle or aunt posting weird things on Facebook that are just not true. And, and, you know, they try to do their own research and they are, they are consumed with this idea and, and, and they feel like they've seen enough data points to be convinced that it's true. And so I think there are going to be tools in place to really help, you know, mitigate that type of risk where, where people that really do want to know the truth, you know, will have tools in place to help, you know, validate if what they're reading is truly data driven or is, you know, that truly happened, et cetera. Um, I'd say one way that we'd compare with this is, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's $1.3 billion um, um, being spent every year in the influencer space or creator space um, on fraudulent activity on, on behalf of brands. And what that means is brands are working with creators that sometimes have a majority of like fake followers or engage, I mean, a high percentage of engagement on their content um, that 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 is fake or um, that are bots, and so as as we try to bring a, a good ROI or return on on advertising spend for, for brands, you know we've had to you know create um, AI to kind of fight the AI. So you know there there's some cases where you have you know creators that have a lot of comments um, or a lot of likes. And, you know, our AI is now able to figure out and it's, it's hard for a human to distinguish because they look like real people and, and, and then they're starting to act like real people. And our AI is able to see those nuances and those patterns to, to, to differentiate who's real versus who's fake. And, and, and so that's a way that, you know, AI can be extremely helpful where it can see the nuances and patterns that humans can get easily deceived with. Um, 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 you know, to, to help, you know, keep us on, on track. And when you have, you know, brands spending tens of millions of dollars a year on creators, they want to make sure that that budget is spent on the right creators and that, there's, that, they're, that they're paying the right amount. And in some platforms, every creator has a percentage of, you know, fake engagement, but there are some creators out there that are truly playing it and, and, and paying to, to make it look like, you know, there, there are thousand comments are 100% real when, when they're really not. And it, a lot of brands, you know, work with some of these creators. They expect to get a huge return or a lot of followers or, or you know, make a splash or, or get sales. And, and then they get surprised that there's hardly any impact that happened. And it's because they weren't looking at all the data. They weren't looking at, you know, all the structured or unstructured data and, and to, to really, you know, validate how healthy the engagement of a creator, you know, truly is. And, and so I think when it comes to misinformation, when it comes to ways that people can abuse this type of technology when it comes to entertainment or when it comes to content, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist that there's always going to be, wherever there's something that's potentially abusive or can be hurtful, there will always be a counterpart that's going to be helpful and to help, you know, guide humans. And, um, and you know, we have to remember, you know, 
AI, I mean, like sometimes people like have these, you know, crazy ideas of like what's going to happen with AI. And I think Elon Musk in some ways, um, in a bad way, has contributed to these ideas where, you know, they talk about scare tactics of, you know, of robots, you know, taking over, et cetera. And I think probably he's joked about that, but there, there are a lot of people that are, are nervous of um, technology progressing. But I believe that the next wave of technology is taking very manual um, and, and archaic systems and figuring out how to make them turnkey and making them much more scalable. And, and, and it, where, where, you know, we can be focused on more big picture um, um, uh, um, areas that, you know, require more and more attention. Um, um, that are much more strategic. And so when we like look at AI, we never think of it as just a machine taking over and, 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 you know, owning the process or like, you know, making sure everything happens. Um, we, 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 we love the term. And I think, I mean, I mean, you would appreciate this, um, that we call collaborative AI, where you have human experts that come in that are, you know, work along the data and the AI to, to make sure that it's properly trained. That, that, that it understands like the nuances of, you know, someone, only one, only a person could understand that's worked on a certain type of industry or, or, or type of business for like 20 plus years that has a lot of great data and a lot of great understanding of how things are supposed to work. And our whole goal is to just make sure that whether it's a creator or if it's a brand that, you know, there's experts that help train the AI that, that just make it so people can you know, be a lot more effective. They can do things much faster. They can scale much better and, 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 and make it so, you know, as a human, you can be a lot more optimized. And so I think when people look at AI, you got to look at it as, you know, a technology that just truly optimizes humans to be able to elevate and to do more things. It's not collaborative AI. It's augmented intelligence and where the category <laughs> don't I, take away I our love, category. I love that you're going to take something that is very popular in the AI world and own it. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. There's, 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 there's a good variety of us making breakthroughs here. <laughs> and you're calling um, it augmented intelligence. So that, that, that's your yeah. new way of saying um, collaborative AI. How creative. Collaborative AI. Well, why keep the artificial term in there? <laughs> it, augmented intelligence feels more antagonistic towards artificial intelligence. So, um, no, I, I think we're. Um, oh, I, I did want to throw out to your audience. That well, why can we call it something I better? Have, why don't we call it the cyborg approach? Cyborg feels. Where it's human feels and technology. Mirror. I mean, joining forces. Yeah. That doesn't make you f have any warm fuzzies when people think of cyborgs. But I, I did want to tell your your audience I I have written three blogs on autonomous war, mm -hmm. and so when you think of about the future and AI having a negative impact, if we had a World War Three, one of the things that did keep me up at night for a while until I started writing about it was um, the general public doesn't understand what would happen if we had World War Three because you'd have trillion dollar war contracts mm -hmm. and the stuff that. If I decided to engage in that type of contract, the stuff I would put in there, I wanted people to understand the R&D that would be on the table. And so one of the things I unpack is um, this concept that Hollywood has not prepared us because they're not smart enough. They don't understand mm -hmm. AI. And I'm educating the audience on what a hive mind is mm -hmm. and how, how a human a human can't fight a hive mind. Mm -hmm. Because Terminator, the idea of like you not being seen by these robots is laughable. Mm -hmm. Like they they would be able to you could hide in your fridge and they would they would know where you were before they came to your home man bed going dark should, again let's let, let's let's on a, on let's a it, positive let, note please yeah <laughs> let's let let's so ai and healthcare are huge um i am a huge fan of maximizing the creative i think every human has a creative streak we just have to give them opportunities to exercise it um I, i'm curious what you think about that can can every human be an artist to some extent like obviously you have great artists and great creators but don't you think everyone has a little bit of a creative streak? Maybe they just don't have a chance to exercise it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I think, you know, having all this decentralized, decentralized content is empowering more individuals to be able to be a part of the, the artistic game. And, and I think, you know, having access to data and like AI tools is going to make it so there can be even more self-expression and, 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 and more people that can, you know, create more art. 
And um, whether it's something that's very niche or specialized or something that's going to, you know, be appreciated on the mainstream, I think, um, you know, the, the world where data and, 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 and art, you know, connects and combines, you know, I, I really think AI is going to be a big part of that. And, and making it so there can be even more art, even better art out there that can, you know, change the world in a positive way. I, I've talked about this before on the podcast where, you know, art is very important because it preserves history. It preserves data. It preserves culture. And we learn from it, you know, to, to progress. And now that we have more data and more art than ever before, I, I really hope this means that as, a, as, a, as humanity, we get better. We're more understanding. We have more empathy. And, and we learn, you know, you know, not to do things that are, you know, contentious, but do things that are more unified. And 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 so, you know, I, I'm really excited about you know this the, this time that we're living in because um, we're seeing the era of the artists where creators are truly becoming the ones empowered, and they are going to be, you know, in the tens of millions, and they are going to have the power in their own you know communities that the studios, you know, once had. Yeah. And, and when I know we're at time, but I, I just, I did want to react to something quickly. You said that, uh, this concept of empathy, um, one of the things I'd love to challenge the creator community with that your that your audience is part of is obviously they produce great content. They have a unique audience. The content loves them for it. They're engaged with it, but these creators have opportunities to be authentic. And when you're authentic about real world things, you being a human insecurities, things you're going through, you don't know whose lives you can impact. So that's been a big part of my brand. So when I travel, I'll have coffee with someone I've never met and they'll say, you're the reason I quit my job a, a year ago. And, and initially that kind of scared me just really like, hopefully it was a good outcome, but you never know how you can impact people just by being a little bit authentic. Like you don't always have to have your brand be a hundred percent what you do. Mm -hmm. You can add hints of authenticity and really help a huge audience so that that there you go, Ricky. That's something optimistic at the end. <laughs> you can, <laughs> rather than the the black mirror rabbit holes that I like stepping into. <laughs> well, you know, I think it'd be fun to have you on again, and we'll have you on with maybe like a, like a, um, other creators. Um, and I, I love the idea of like predict, like trying to discuss like what's coming next, what's going to come in the future, specifically around entertainment. But um, Ben, you know. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, you know, for making time to be a part of this. Um, this is a very um, different video than what you typically do. We don't ever really go this deep into te like technology and, and AI and data, but it is going to be a much, a much bigger part of the creative process in the future. And it's, it's really good, I think, for creators and brands to, you know, start getting ready now to, to try to better understand and interpret unstructured data and to make it a much bigger priority on how they can optimize and scale in that area. And, and AI, you know, machine learning, deep learning is all, you know, going to be um, a, a big part of that. And there's going to be a lot of tools that come out and, you know, make sure that you're investigating and, and figuring out, you know, what tools are, you know, are out there that, is, are, that are going to be very helpful on, on helping you grow your, your, um, content empire or your, your entertainment empire, you know, in the future, um, you know, that hopefully resonates and um, um, improves a lot of your um, viewers and, and, and consumers um, lives. And so thank you so much again, Ben. And, you know, I, um, this was a lot of fun geeking out and, and um, um, hope to have you again. And everyone that's watching, you know, please give this a like. Um, if you have questions around AI, you know, feel free to, to ask in the comments. Ben um, and myself can, you know, both like interact and 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 connect with you and, and give you our thoughts and advice. And also, you know, be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, Ben.